This episode of AHLA Speaking of Health Law is brought to you by AHLA members and donors like you. For more information, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org. Hi, I'm Norm Tabler with this month's edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law. So you think you're understaffed? This may provide some comfort to hospital workers, especially nurses, who believe their institution is understaffed. According to Becker's Hospital Review, at Erie County Medical Center in Buffalo, New York, the nurse-patient ratio for the emergency psych program is, are you sitting down, 1 to 53. Asked to comment, the hospital said, in effect, hey, this is a national problem. What's in a name? Lately, I've had to spend a lot of time in hospitals, and I've noticed something interesting about names. If you go by introductions, and even sometimes by name badges, you would think that nurses have no last names and doctors have no first names. Maybe that's why I noticed this news release coming out of California. Nurse practitioner Sarah Ernie has been fined $20,000 for calling herself Dr. Sarah Ernie rather than Nurse Sarah Ernie or Nurse Practitioner Sarah Ernie. Nurse practitioners are not allowed to attach the word doctor to their names, at least not in California. More on the name game. More news about provider names. JAMA analyzed 30,000 emails from 15,000 patients at the Mayo Clinic. Female doctors were twice as likely as male doctors to be addressed by their first name. Paging Claude Rains. In the movie Casablanca, Claude Rains plays the head of the local police. When someone asks what he's going to do about illegal gambling in Rick's Cafe, he memorably replies, I'm shocked shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Meanwhile, a croupier hands him wads of bills. Rains came to mind when I read the front page New York Times article breathlessly reporting that NYU's Langen Hospital gives preferential treatment to major donors. When octogenarian Kenneth Langen, who gave so much money they renamed the entire hospital after him, showed up at the ER, he did not have to wait in line like everyone else. I was shocked, shocked, to learn that very important people get VIP treatment. That's why they're called Hail Mary shots. Well, the 18 criminal defendants were all former NBA players, and they were in a court, just not a hardwood court. So why not try a Hail Mary, the longest of long shots? They stand accused of defrauding the NBA health plan by submitting $4 million in fake medical claims. The Hail Mary defense? Well, it's the player's health plan. It belongs to current and former players, We're former players, so we own the plan. That means you're accusing us of stealing from ourselves, but a person can't steal from himself, so we're innocent, QED. When the judge stopped laughing, she swatted the defense back into their collective face. The case is USA versus Williams, Southern District of New York. Health law in the headlines. The long-running litigation brought by the parents of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting victims has resulted in judgments of over $1.5 billion against Alec Jones. You might not think that health law would enter into the picture, but it has. Jones's chief lawyer, Norman Pattis, had access to the plaintiff parents' mental health records because they claimed mental suffering. But the records came with a strict protective order, an order that Pattis ignored which resulted in the records being passed around among various people in the Jones orbit. As a result, Connecticut Superior Court Judge Barbara Bellis has suspended Pattis from the practice of law for six months and referred the case to the Chief Disciplinary Council. And, of course, he faces potential liability to the parents. All that on top of being known as the lawyer who lost a $1.5 billion case. Postscript. After writing this, I learned that Pattis has appealed the suspension. His case? Okay. So I leaked the protected health information to unauthorized people, but I didn't do anything wrong. 
because those people didn't actually read it. I did not make that up. A light bulb went off when the light bulb went off. When Robin fell while changing the light bulb at the preschool where she works, a light bulb went off in her head, a crackerjack idea for free bariatric surgery. No one disputed that she needed knee surgery as a result of the fall, and the preschool paid without complaint. But when Robin presented a bill for bariatric surgery, the preschool balked. Robin sued. Her theory? Well, the doctor said I needed knee surgery, but he wouldn't operate until I lost weight, so I had to have bariatric surgery, all because of my light bulb changing fall, QED. The workers' comp department ruled in her favor, and the Court of Appeals affirmed, if you live in North Carolina and need bariatric surgery, look around your workplace. Maybe a light bulb needs changing. The case is Klutz Ellison versus Noah's Playloft, North Carolina Supreme Court. Too efficient for its own good. Here's a case where a company was too efficient for its own good. United Health was pursuing a $2 million claim for overpaying low-T physician services. Low-T offered $25,000 and sent six copies of that settlement proposal along with copies of a $25,000 check to six United Health addresses that were used during negotiations. A seventh copy included the actual $25,000 check. The check went into the United Health lockbox. Lockbox personnel deposited the check and scanned the letter into the company's tracking system. When a company investigator received a notification the next day, he sent a letter to Low T rejecting the settlement offer. Low T's response? Too late. The case was settled when you deposited the check. The trial court agreed with Loti, citing the principle of accord and satisfaction. The Court of Appeals affirmed. One way to develop a good reputation. If the Washington State AG's allegations are correct, Seattle area plastic surgery practice Allure Aesthetic had a crackerjack idea for developing a first-rate reputation. First, the practice required patients, some 10,000 of them, to sign NDAs before even being treated. Second, the NDAs prohibited them from posting any reviews lower than four stars. Third, if patients refused to remove unflattering reviews, the practice threatened to sue them. Fourth, it bribed patients to provide good reviews. Fifth, it kept patient rebates without patient consent. And sixth, my personal favorite, it photoshopped before and after photos to improve outcomes. Complaint Department This month's Complaint Department addresses the ever-widening meaning of the term X, E-X, used to indicate two people who used to be romantically connected but are not anymore. For decades, maybe centuries, if two people were exes to each other, that meant they had been married but were no longer married. So if I read in a reputable newspaper or magazine that A was the ex of B, that meant they were married but are not anymore, like Lucy and Desi. And, although I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, that's how I interpreted the term until quite recently. So I found myself often thinking, gee, I never knew those two had been married. Well, I finally figured out that they hadn't. They were exes merely because they used to be in some sort of romantic but unofficial relationship. And that's the problem. What sort of relationship was it? Did they live together? Were they engaged? Did they merely date? Exclusively? Non-exclusively? And is there a statute of limitations, a length of time before two people stop being exes? If my colleague dated a woman in college 30 years ago, is she still his ex? Should I avoid inviting her to a party if my colleague is going to bring his wife? I say let's go back to the old days when it was clear who was and who was not an ex. If you have a complaint, send it to me. Well, that's it for this month's edition. I hope you liked it. I'll be back next month with another edition of The Lighter Side of Health Law.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to AHLA Speaking of Health Law wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about AHLA and the educational resources available to the health law community, visit AmericanHealthLaw.org.